Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is just a weekend's preview of the weekend's racing, mainly at Cheltenham and a bit at Doncaster as well. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert guests this week. We've given Andy Holding a rest. He's done about 15 of these in a row, so we thought we'd wrap him in cotton wool ahead of a very big show next week. So we've got two guys in today who are going to try and fill those rather sizable shoes. Firstly, an odds checker podcast veteran these days, I think, Ed Quigley. Ed, very good to have you here with us today. Yeah, great to have be on again. Yeah, good to see you, George, uh, Stu, and yeah, looking forward to another two days to Cheltenham, and um, here we go again, hopefully uh, firing some winners. Just over the road for you, and, and a debutante as well on the Odds Checker podcast, Stuart Williams. Stu, you're a blogger, tell us a bit about yourself, your your background, who you blog for, who you tip for. Um, well, basically, I got into racing about 10 years ago uh, through a 10 to follow competition and started writing a bit through that, really, trying to promote the competition a bit. Um, and then I've done a few bits and pieces of people over the years, Martin Julian, and I write a blog for um, Sporting Life now, and obviously yourselves, previewing the weekend racing. Yeah, been a That's brilliant what I've been to do most of the time. You've been a you've been a brilliant addition to the odds checker roster, I must say. And, and anybody who wants to get all of the odds checker tipsters uh, columns and things as soon as they come out, and also wants the best prices, the best bookie offers, the best place terms. And everything that Odds Checker can offer, make sure you do download the Odds Checker app before listening to this podcast or watching this. It's the perfect companion to do so. You can follow the races as we go through them as well. So do download the app now and a good place to read Stu's column as well, which, as I say, has been a fantastic addition to the site. Um, we're going to get cracking then with Friday's racing at Cheltenham. Um, we're recording this at about half past 11 on Thursday. So about 24 hours before racing gets underway. In fact, 24 hours and six minutes, Ed. That'll be the first race jumping at Cheltenham. You live a stone's throw away from the course, so it makes sense. I actually want you to kind of go outside and maybe prod your garden grass a bit just to tell us what the going is going to be like this uh, this weekend. No, absolutely. Now, we were having a similar conversation, weren't we, um, the November meeting, George, mm. where the on the Friday, if I remember rightly, it was more or less good ground, and then the, uh, the rains arrived, and... It was pretty testing by the time the Schlur chase came around. I think we're going to have, not to quite to that extent, but do keep your eyes on the weather. Depending on which weather forecast you look at again, there's eight millimetres of rain forecast uh, on the Thursday night into Friday, and it's supposed to drizzle all day Friday. So uh, you think it's only, the conditions are only going to deteriorate as the day goes on on Friday. And then going into the Saturday, it's supposed to brighten up and be a bit breezy and clear. So I do think that the softer ground, if you like, will be on the latter part of the, the, the Friday afternoon. But again, Something if you're uh, worth bearing in mind when you're placing your bets, it says good to soft, good in places uh, at the time of recording now. Uh, is every opportunity if they get the high end of the, the rain forecast that could be genuine soft ground by, by the Friday? But uh, weather forecasts, as Michael Fish knows, uh, they're guessing games, hmm. so let's let's leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the first race we're going to preview today, we're going to skip straight over to the 150, which is the rerouted Peterborough, or to give it its full name, the Fitzstairs Club loves the Peterborough Chase over two and a half miles at Cheltenham rather than Huntingdon. And we have Top Notch, who is the four to one favourite ahead of Kalashnikov and Mr. Fisher and Clondor Castle, who are all in behind at five to one. Uh, Fanion Destreval is 11 to two. Dolos at 13 to two. Glenn Forster, 14 to one. Bun Doran, 20 to one. Ed, you're the seasoned pro here. So we'll come, you get first run for the opener. Um, great to see the race still taking place, even albeit at Cheltenham. Trappy affair, though, betting-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Trappy affair, betting-wise. And um, official figures suggest it's a, it's a trappy affair as well. If you take uh, the lowest rated out of this Glen Forster, who's officially rated 151, I mean, you've got seven horses separated by six pounds on official figures. So the, that kind of tells you all you need to know about this. And uh, I suppose the place to start is with Top Notch, uh, your market leader. Poor little Top Notch has been uh, undone, unfortunately, I think, by this race being rerouted to Cheltenham. I mean, look, it's great. The race is on. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. But top notch is form on flat tracks. It's supposed to be Huntingdon's, your Kempton's, your Aintree's is brilliant. He's naught from five at Cheltenham. And uh, mm. I just suppose that's, that's your, your negative, if you like. Um, it's also, you've got to bear in mind that top notch is having his first run in the season. There's a lot of race fit rivals in here. I think every other runner in the field has had a, a run this season as well. So that's worth bearing in mind. I just wonder, uh, he's nine now, rising 10, whether he's perhaps just propping the market up for the rest of the field, if you like, given that if this was at Huntingdon, I think it'd be a totally different ball game. 
Uh, at Cheltenham with the chance of rain on its way. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm against Top Notch. As much as he's lovable and he, he's tough to beat, I, I'd firmly be taking him on, shall we say. Top Notch, a vulnerable favourite at four to one. Uh, Stu, before we get your, your thoughts on the race, I mean, what do we make? We've got Mr. Fisher here and, and Top Notch. I mean, what do we make of of Nicky Henderson's form coming into this weekend? I mean, obviously struggles last weekend, a few horses not really running to form. I don't think I'm that concerned about that. I think he's been having loads of winners as the season's gone on. I don't think his horses are running that badly. I mean, obviously, you know, the ground at Sandown was a big talking point last mm. week. And we know that Henderson horses aren't overly keen on bad ground. So last weekend wouldn't really put me off. I do think it's interesting that both of them are in this race. As obviously, it would have been really easy to keep them apart with Mr. Fisher and the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I completely echo Ed's sentiments on top notch. I do think he's possibly not the force of old. He is not from five at Cheltenham. He's had a wind up, um, but I, I do agree that the race at Huntingdon was a completely different race. Come to Cheltenham, it, it completely goes against him. And I think the fact that Nicky Henderson has decided to run Mr. Fisher here kind of says that he thinks that too, possibly. Um, otherwise, you, you would keep them apart. Um, Ed, as Ed says as well, the ground is really important. It could start to ride slower as the, as the meeting goes on. And obviously, this isn't too far into the meeting, so it's, mm. it's not too bad. Um, and I think this is almost the big day for Mr Fisher. I, I do think he's got a lot of ability, and I do think he could still be a graded performer in time. But if the ground is decent tomorrow, he's a course and distance winner having won at this meeting last year. Uh, I think he almost has to win or go very close sort of justify his reputation. So, I mean, looking at those against him, as Ed says, it's very, very trappy. Condor Castle won a, a decent handicap at Newbury last time out. He's clearly improving now, stepping up to two and a half miles. Uh, Fanny and Destreval's interesting. He was obviously second over two miles at Cheltenham last month. And if he sees out this longer trip, then he could be interesting too. Um, but yeah, for me, I just think if the ground doesn't become too soft, uh, this needs to be Mr Fisher's day. So, Mr. Fisher for Stu, best price at the moment, five to one, only available with Bet365. Eddie, you've said that Top Notch is one to take on. Who would you be taking on with? Yeah, good question. Uh, very tricky. Um, the kind of shortlist, Fanny and Destra up in trip made the shortlist. I think Klaasnikov strip a lot fitter for last time out. Uh, quickly on Mr. Fisher, I mean, we had this big debate with Andy Holding, didn't I, last time we were on here? Yes. I, I've always said he's a two miler. Until I see other stuff to suggest he isn't you know his best two hurdle runs came over two miles on flat tracks his best performance over fences so far on rprs came over two miles at doncaster on good ground i would love to see him down in trip and he ran deplorably at this meeting over two and a half uh, last month albeit again the ground totally went for him so it could be a case the ground is more important than the trip but uh, i just on balance with the rain arriving over two and a half i just think he's got so much turbo I'd love to see him in a, as myself and Andy Holding did agree on, we'd love to see him in a champion chase, actually, yeah. uh, on spring ground. So he's he's the enigma in the pack. I think if you see the real Mr. Fisher, he wins. Uh, I just wonder whether this is the race for him. The horse I go for, I think he's massively overpriced, is Dolos for Paul mm. Nichols and Harry. Officially, it's the highest rated horse in the field. And anyone who saw his run last time out uh, behind Rouge Vif, uh, I mean, Rouge Vif blew the field apart, didn't he? I mean, it's worth saying. However, Dolos was running in a handicap of 1-6-1 there, more or less set an impossible task on his first start after a wind off. And to, to his credit, he stayed on nicely up the hill all the way to line. If ever you saw a horse shape like he wants to step up and trip, well, that was it. So I think he's ticking a lot of the right boxes here, Dolos. He's moving up in distance to two and a half. I think that'll suit. As I say, official figures suggest he is the best horse in the field and he's getting weight off the likes of uh, Mr. Fisher, Top Notch and Bundor and... Uh, I think he was around a seven to one mark. Uh, out of the Thirteen to two, in, best price. Thirteen yeah. to two, as I say. Of the eight horses in here, he's he's sixth in in regards to betting. I think that's just playing wrong personally. Uh, whether he's good enough to win it, we won't quite know. But rain won't be a problem either. He's got lots of winning form on soft, and I, I just thought he was the wrong price. Put it that way, I'm a lot closer to favourite than sixth out of the eight in the betting. If that makes sense. So uh, purely on a price perspective. Uh, Dolos would be if they all eight stay in as well. I think he's a cracking each way bet because uh, I, I think he'll be right in the mix too. It's all about price, Ed. You know that we're, we're value hunting. That's all we do here. So thir- thirteen to two. That's only with Bet Victor. Dolos as short as five to one elsewhere, which could be a sign of the way the market is moving. So Dolos for Ed, 
Mr. Fisher, maybe for Stu and, and both of you respectful of Venetia Williams's Fanion Destraval as well. On now then to the second race, we're going to be covering the 225, the Unibet handicap chase just over three miles, three miles and two furlongs. Court Mad, sorry, Court Maid is the nine to two, sorry, <laughs> Court Maid is the nine to four favourite. It's managed to get that wrong in so many different ways. Uh, Black Corton is seven to two, Storm Control five to one, Commodore six to one, Potter's Legend 13 to 2 alongside West Approach and Steely Edition 20 to 1. The floor is yours, Stu. Uh, I've got to admit, I haven't got the strongest opinion in this race. I just think, I mean, you look at it, West Approach. West Approach, oh, I've dread to think how much money I've lost on West Approach over the last few <laughs> And of course, I didn't back him when he won last year. Mm. Um, but the form of the Tizard horses at the minute, I just, you just don't know from one run to the next, what you're going to get with them. Um, um, as consistent as he is around Cheltenham, you know, I, I couldn't be having him on my mind. We know Blackcourt and, you know, he runs, he jumps, he runs his race virtually every time. Um, so he's, he's sort of rock solid in there. And you know, you can have a decent pace with him in there. Um, Storm Control obviously won at Cheltenham last month. Uh, I think that was quite a weak race. The second and third have let the form down since. I can't really fancy him off a £6 higher mark. And, of course, Commodore's gone up £6 for finishing second at Haydock last month. So, I hate horses that have rises, especially decent rises, for not winning a race. Um, so, as unoriginal as it is, I do think the Irish Raider Court made is probably the one to beat. She's three from four over fences, and she made a really competitive handicap look like an absolute, sort of, you know, mm. walkover yeah. at Fairy House last time out. So... I think she'll be straight for this. I mean, Connections will probably want to test her around Cheltenham. She's already second favourite for the National Hunt Chase. So I think they'll want to see her full potential around Cheltenham. And I think if she keeps improving at the rate of knots that she is, I think she's possibly the one that has more improvement in her at this stage. There they have it. Court made for Stu, the favourite nine to four best price at the moment. A sea of blue on odds checker as well. So that nine to four may not hang about. Ed, do you agree with that? Court made the one to side with or, or a favourite to take on? Shame only seven run, I should say, although Paddy Power sticking their neck out with three places. Yeah, I'd say the the right favourite. Uh, she's clearly in deeper waters here, shall we say. Uh, the ground should be fine. It was worth noting that uh, Thomas Mullins pulled her out in Galway earlier in the season on the account of the ground being too soft. He said she's a, a, a mare who does like a bit better ground. So even allowing for the rain will get overnight, it should still be nowhere near Galway testing, if that makes sense. So, mm. yeah, I think she's the worthy favourite. I mean, I, I, I totally take a board Stu's point about the Tizard form. I find that, I mentioned it on Twitter the other day, I think uh, three of the top four horses in the yard being lost in translation, uh, Slate House and Copperhead, uh, barely lifted a leg this season. Uh, and you've had the big breakaway turned over at two to nine. The, uh, yeah, in amongst that, you've had some wonderful performances. Uh, it seems absolutely Jekyll and Hyde with that yard, which pretty much sums up West Approach's career, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, he ran absolutely deplorably here last time out. Yet, if you go back to the October meeting, he was sandwiched between Frodon and Clothcap. And that form looks absolutely fantastic, doesn't it, on the mm. basis of, of that? And he was sent off 72 in this last year and finished third off £2 higher. And purely on handicapping terms, he's right in the mix again. And I know I'm a boring old moody person who goes on about prices but again he's the uh sixth sixth in here out of seven based on last year's run there's no way he should be as big as 13 to 2 and especially if you look at that october run the problem is as Stu rightly identifies is what you're going to get with this horse you don't quite know which almost is kind of symptomatic of the whole tizard team at the moment if you like but 13 to 2 i could not let him go unbacked at that price having competed on given that as i said he was beaten two lengths in this last year carrying two pounds more he's won at this track if he's on a going day, his mind's on the job, he's a dangerous customer to dismiss. He's one of those that three to one, you don't look at him. Uh, but yeah. touching, se- se- touching seven to one uh, in a race which I don't think on paper anywhere at least is anywhere near the strength of what it was last year with the depth. So you've got a lot of a couple of out of sorts individuals in here. Black Horton off 160, that's going to have to be a phenomenal effort to win a handicap off that. So it kind of sets it up, if you like, for those in behind. So uh, West Approach at the prices again. Uh, has has to be the play here at the prices. 
at the price where every horse has a price that you've got to back it out and west approach has hit that for red 13 to 2 pretty much across the board if you wanted the three places paddies are understandably a bit shorter at 11 to 2 but are paying a third oh and also betfred are as well there you go so betfred paying um a fifth of three and a 13 to two with seven runners so that might be the way to go ed do you reckon yeah i mean with west approach you kind of get a feeling you're gonna know uh, you know your fate early whether his <laughs> mind's on the job or not yeah I mean Robbie Power the, and the times where he's kind of down tools Robbie Power's been giving him a slap down the neck on the first circuit and you know he's mm. not on the going day but if you see him on a on a, on a tight rein at the back uh, kind of running with enthusiasm you know you're in it as I said every horse has got his price I stress it's purely a price selection that a 13 to 2 uh, you know if he comes out tanking you're going to be regretting the fact you overlooked him given he is well handicapped on last year's renewal Okay, on then to the third and final race we'll be previewing from the Cheltenham's Friday card and it's the Glen Farclass Cross Country Handicap Chase and Never Rush a Con is a 3-1 to one favourite ahead of Kingswell Theatre at 9-2. to two. Step Back is the currently the horse that's being backed to see of Blue but still 13-2 to two around as short as 9-2 to two elsewhere. Uh, Beau de Brise is 7-1, to one, Out Sam 8-1, to 10-1 to one, My Hometown. The forgotten one, 12 to 1, 16 to 1 bar. Sticking with you, Ed, where are you going here? Uh, interesting, yeah. I'm going to take on Never Rush Con and Step Back. I'm just not sure this is the course of Never Rush Con, as good as the horse is. And Step Back uh, is clearly in good form at the moment. It does look an intriguing Nintendo. He's, he's a kind of revitalized 10 year old, if you like. But I'm going to go for a horse that, I mean, he hasn't won since uh, Tudor times, but out Sam. For Gordon Elliott and Sean Bowen is definitely of interest in here I mean, purely because he's been placed the two times he's run over this at this venue over the course and distance he was third in this meeting last year uh, third in this race last year at this meeting off a three pound higher mark and he finished third at the Chowder Festival uh, in this race and of course the horses ahead of him that day were Tiger Roll and Easy's Land admittedly mm. well beating him behind them but there's nothing of that calibre in here today and so I've mentioned it's been a long time between drinks for him but realistically this is the most realistic chance he's had of winning a race of this of this nature if you like and uh as i said he, he's it's one of those horses who seems to come alive around the idiosyncrasies of this setup for whatever reason you get horses like it who that do kind of just come alive when they get to this track and so yeah he's 11 approaching 12 but as i said he's shown a liking and an aptitude for these obstacles uh he's around eight to one uh, he would be an each-way player here. It's hard to have real cast-iron assertion with him, just given his infrequency of finding the winner's enclosure. But he, he, he's clearly well-equipped for this test. And uh, yeah, out Sam, as I said, with no easy's land, no tiger rolled around. Of course, this race has almost fallen apart a little bit, hasn't it? Uh, Christian mm. Williams' horse was ruled out as well uh, a few days ago. So that, I think it's it wouldn't be, uh, you know, to say it's below par renewal, I don't think he's particularly going overboard. And... Um, I think, yeah, outside each way is uh, my pick here around the 8-1 to one mark. Outside 8-1 to one with a few firms. Only Skybet and Hills currently going four places, but I have a feeling that'll be very different come tomorrow afternoon. Stu? Yeah, I'm with Ed against Never Rush a Con. Obviously, he's been impressive at Punchestown twice. Well, that was over three miles and three mile one, and both runs came on heavy ground. So mm. you have to wonder if maybe it's a bit of a trip too far for him in the ground, even with the rains that'll come in, might be a bit too good for him. Um, he was only fifth in this race last year and eighth at the festival. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be against Never Rush a Con. I mean, Kingswell Theatre and Bo de Brise ran really well last month. So, you know, you can't, can't rule them out again. Uh, but the two that I thought were quite interesting were The Forgotten One for Richard Hobson and My Hometown. Um, the Forgotten One is obviously a debutant in this sphere. He's, he's never run over the cross-country fences. But it's interesting that they sent him to France last month. He won at Compiègne and Felix de Giles actually rode him. And obviously mm. he's due to ride him tomorrow. Um, and Felix de Giles has ridden Urgent de Gragan to success around here. He knows obviously the course very well. Um, my two issues are obviously the experience. I don't, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of good horses come into this discipline in the last few years. And very few of them have done well on their first run. I mean, Tiger Roll was beaten, I think, 42 lengths on his first run in mm. cross-country chases. Um, it is very much an experience, sort of, you know, that you, you need it under your belt before you're going to win a race in this sphere. And the trip, obviously, is a bit of a concern. I mean, he's won over two miles, six and a half furlongs, but this is obviously an extra mile tomorrow. So I couldn't be backing him now, but I do think it's he it could be an interesting one down the line if he keeps running these cross country races. Um, 
my hometown, it's a bit of a tentative selection. He's, he was off the track for 676 days after finishing second in this race in 2018. And it'll run off the same mark tomorrow. So he's, he's going to get a fair chunk of weight from quite a few of these. Um, but he won the Risk of Thunder Chase a couple of years ago by 16 lengths. And obviously, you know, being second in this race before, he's got the experience at Cheltenham. You know that he's not just a Punchestown Bank specialist. He can do it at Cheltenham as well. You don't often see many JP McManus owned horses, especially with Ender Bolger as a trainer. It's 10 to 1 shots in these races. No. Which is, which is obviously sort of, you know, interesting itself. And he's got a surprisingly low mileage for a 10 year old. I think he's only ran 22 times. Um, he was pulled off in a hurdles race on his return to action in October. But I'm not overly bothered about that. It was, you know, a two mile hurdle race for a horse who wants three miles six on a cross country track. First um, run in two years. So. Yeah, and his first run in two years. I, I don't think you can be shocked that he, he found the pace a bit too much for him. So that wouldn't really put me off. Um, as Ed said, it's it's just not the strongest renewal. Uh, and given his connections, the fact that he's sort of, you know proven himself around here, the fact that he is, he is getting a lot of weight and the ground isn't going to be too bad, he does like decent ground, I think around, I think it's around nine, ten to one. Ten to one with Bet Victor and Skybet. Yeah. I, I think there's worse ten to one shots. You know, yeah. running out next week, so he'd be my tentative selection. I'll choose my words carefully. I think if you're going to get your, if you're going to be backing a winner at ten to one, there, I have a feeling the SP won't be ten to one. Um, that's what I'm going to say. Judging by connections, I think it's fairly likely we'll see that one tumble if my hometown is fit and expected to give a good account of themselves. But interesting to note that you both want to take on the favourite. Always good to see my hometown 10 to 1. The forgotten one 12 to 1 is a standout with Genting Bet and out Sam for Ed as well. I reckon when most people have a flutter, they use the same old bookies every time. But how do you know if you're getting good odds? Odds Checker, that's how. At Odds Checker, you can compare the odds from major bookmakers, get tips from the experts, and place your bets all in one place. Whether it's your Saturday Acker or a first goal scorer hunch, choose our best odds and get brilliant returns. Odds Checker, your one stop betting hub. Download the app now. Play responsibly. On now to Saturday's racing. And as I mentioned, it's just before midday on Thursday. So we've just had final decks. The markets are reforming as we speak. Thankfully, there are a couple of bookies who've come out with their early prices. But it does mean that if you're listening to this in a couple of hours time uh, and the other books have come out and the market's reformed a bit more, these prices might be a little bit, um, you know, might be a bit a bit out of date, but we'll do our best. And fingers crossed the, the insight doesn't date as badly as the prices. But We'll start off with the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup and um, Bet365 have come out with their early prices here and they've got Master Tommy Tucker as the 5-1 to one favourite ahead of Windsor Avenue at 6-1. to one. Sepage and Al Dancer 7-1 to one in behind and Cool Cody with Midnight Shadow and Chatham Street Lad both 12-1, to 14-1 to one bar. Um, Stu, will stick with you here. An open race, tricky one to uh, to, to call. Where do you think the value lies at the moment? Uh, well, looking at the race, I mean, Master Tommy Tucker's a fascinating horse. I mean, he's obviously very lightly raced for his age. He's had his problems. Uh, but, you know, you look at his record, he's run seven times over fences. He's won three times, but he's fouled three times. Mm. So he's, he's obviously, you know, there's, there's massive risks attached, but you look at what he did at Haydock, and, you know, I mean, he beat a good field and he beat them convincingly on the bridle. So clearly on his day, you know, he's a very good horse. And, you know, if, if he was to be a graded performer, a mark of 157 isn't going to stop him. We've seen loads of horses carry big marks success in this race, in other Cheltenham handicaps. So, you know, if he is good and he doesn't make a mistake, you know, he's in there with the right chance. But I mean, if you like him, you've got to like Al Dancer. He, yeah. he beat Master Tommy Tucker, giving him £6 at Newton Abbott in October. So... You know, and obviously he ran a huge race in the Paddy Power Gold Cup last month when finishing third. And I think it was interesting to note there's a lot of late money for our dancer that day, um, which is always something I like to sort of, you know, monitor. Um, mm. And of course, he's off the same mark. He's, he's actually going to try and emulate last year's winner, Warthog, who finished third in the Paddy Power Gold Cup and then came and won this race off the same mark a month later. Um, the ground would be interesting for me with our dancer, as I do think he wants a bit of better ground. Um, and it's interesting as well that his, his best runs seem to come in handicaps. Obviously, he won a bet, the Betfair Hurdle in 2019, ran really well last month. 
it could just be one of those horses that's you know a really top end handicapper i think yeah um and obviously he's got plenty of form at cheltenham and this is only his third start over two and a half miles so i think you know there's plenty of room for improvement there but um my play in the race is sepage for venetia williams mm. uh i just think he's a rock solid horse you look at his record he's got loads of form at cheltenham and I'm really, really happy that this year they've come here fresh. I think I think he is a horse that you want to catch fresh. If you look at his um, reappearance in 2018, it actually came in this race, and he was beaten by Frodon. Mm. Uh, that was after a break of 241 days. So obviously, no shame in being beaten by Frodon, who, as we all know, is you know a superstar of horse. Really, what he's what he's done over the last few years. Uh, and then last year, he made his seasonal reappearance at Ascot. Um, when he tried to give seven pounds to riders on the storm, who of course ended up winning the grade one Ascot chase in February, he's now rated 20 pound higher. And they had old Grangewood 12 lengths further back in third. He won his next two starts in competitive handicaps and he's now rated 10 pounds higher. So obviously that was a huge effort at Aitree um, from Sepage. And then he came here and he ran fourth. Obviously, you know, he ran a good race, but I do wonder if, if they had waited and came here fresh, would it, would he have actually won this last year? Um, then, of course, he won over the course of distance in January off a pound lower when beating Spirits of the Games, who's absolutely rock solid in these big Cheltenham handicaps. He was obviously second in the Paddy Power again last month. He's a re- really good yards, yardstick in these races. And then I went back and watched his um, running the Ultimate Handicap Chase at the Cheltenham Festival. And after jumping sort of three out, if you look turning for home, he's going the best of all. It looks like everything else in trouble. He's absolutely tanking towards the second last. And he just, the, the petrol tank runs dry between two out and the last. And... Mm. He's about a length down at the last and he weakens up the hill. So, obviously, dropping back to this two-and-a-half-mile trip will really suit him. And I, I really like his... He's probably one of the best jumpers, I'd say, of fences. I, th- I think he's a really good jumper. He's low, he's quick, he's quick from A to B. And his prominent style of running means that he'll stay out of trouble. You know, obviously, often he's big Charlton handicapped in any handicaps. There'll be a, a lot of carnage going on in behind. But with him out in front... You know, he's got he's got none of that to worry about. All he's got to do is jump, keep galloping. And I just think he's a rock solid each way back, to be honest. A very, very convincing case made there by Stu for Sepage at seven to one. Ed, how do you follow that up? Yeah, um, Master Tommy Tucker, worth pointing out, yeah, he's, he's kind of bullied a lot of small fields, essentially. The times when he's looked good, it's been soft ground. He's almost been able to take matters. as well. It's, this is going to be uh, chalk and cheese, isn't it, compared to what he's been used to facing, uh, probably shouldn't be dismissive of Cool Cody, who won nicely, it has to be said, it, the, the big handicap last month, got up six pounds for that. My gut feeling just tells me, though, that was a case of the horse cashed in with race fitness on its side. The ground came in its favour. Got a little bit of luck in the fact that a few of the protagonists scrambling against them and a couple of them made huge uh, huge blunders in the home straight. I mean, Happy Diva crashed out, Sky Pirate went and remiss, and then the big guns failed to fire, like the Saint Sonnet, Slate House, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And what, essentially, I, I think you perhaps you got the rub of the green on that day. Uh, nonetheless, Devin Williams' team seemed fairly bullish. But um, there's two in here which interest me. One strongly, and that is Midnight Shadow for Sue Smith, who uh, I definitely think off 148 has to come into the equation here. Uh, obviously, I've tipped this horse anti-post for the race, and mm-hmm. I still think around 12 to 1 is represents fair each-way value. Uh, she, she went on record saying before the old run chase, Horse would definitely need the outing and and shape like a horse that needed the outing to, to put it bluntly. Can't really add much more to it than that. But this is a horse that won the Dipper Chase, albeit fortuitously when Champ fell, has some very good form at the course, including over hurdles, and has some very good form in grade graded company over fences, it has to be said. It was runner up in the City Isles, a grade one, not being far at all by itchy feet, and then in the uh, marsh ran really well. Uh, as far as the British runners are concerned, not beaten all that far behind the likes of Sam Crow and and Mellon, that was a really, really good run, I thought, uh, when finishing sixth on that occasion. In the handicap company off 148 with that run under his belt, uh, I think, you know, this horse is only seven. Uh, no back number at all. And I, I just think this clearly looks like it's been the target. Uh, I always I always look at the entries from a long way off, you know, uh, exciting kind of life I've got. And um, when I was looking through Midnight Shadow's entries, the whole host of these horses had multiple entries everywhere uh, around the globe. Midnight Shadow only entries been this race for some time and um, has been steadily supported in the markets in recent times. And I just think it looks prime for this contest. Trip, track, ground will be fine. In the handicap off 148, 
the horse can run to anywhere pretty much near its marsh chase run from the festival in handicapping terms has to be coming right into the equation here and um, said normally a sound jumper and uh, a bit of rain won't be a problem either so midnight shadows my, my main fancy for it but there was an absolutely bonkers one at a bigger price benitar you take a big leap of faith to back him he's been off 25 to one exactly however i mean gary moore it's a shrewd trade obviously and I wouldn't say he sounded bullish, but uh, they said this horse has had so many niggly problems. Uh, he, he, you know, he's almost like the Jack Wilshire of the racing world. Like that, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's been nothing, nothing particularly wrong with him. It's just week after week they found an issue, and it would be so hard to get him back. But go back to his form a couple of years ago. Obviously, he was third at the Cheltenham Festival in a Grade One. We had the likes of Kenboy behind him, of course, who's gone on to be a a Grade One winner. And he's been dropped so the handicappers given him a gift and dropped him to 142 taking seven pounds off his back for his absence and uh, Gary Moore can get them right after an absence he's only got 10 stone 11 on his back here and uh, I wouldn't be at all shocked as well if he massively outran his odds it's clearly a big ask after the best part of two years off the track to come back to his best but uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if he ran into a place uh, I tell you, he's got some, some form at the course as well it's worth noting uh, so yeah my main fancy is Midnight Shadow definitely uh, I think he's absolutely rock solid off 148. Um, Benatar could pull up, could finish third. I don't really know. But <laughs> def, 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 definitely one to look could out win. for because on, on old form, he's, um, what I'm trying to say is he, he's he's a horse with a back class at the age of eight that could easily be having a say in this. Whereas you've got a few more others in here. I think the handicapper kind of knows where he is with them and they're starting to be a little bit more exposed. He's the he's the kind of the enigma. He's a, he's a dangerous horse. You've been placed in the grade one, hasn't been seen for donkey's years. Had weight taken off in my handicapper and now saying, go on, here we go. Let's see what you've still got. And uh, Gary Moore said he took him for a bit of work before the Labrooks Trophy. and just said he just needed another week. They would have, they were contemplating running in that, they said. Um, interesting. I think the new course, two miles, two and a half miles here, a bit of rain, probably will suit. But uh, yeah, Midnight Shadow for me, that's uh, that's my, my, my back to him and I'll tip to him and he's my selection. Midnight Shadow 12 to 1. Uh, and Benatar 25 to 1 with Betfair Sportsbook. So, two pretty bullish selections there for Sepage and uh, Midnight Shadow. So, hopefully, one of you two is smiling at about 2.40 on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we'll move on now. Actually, I think it's a bit earlier than that. I hope you're smiling at 2.40 as well. Um, we'll move on now <laughs> to the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle. And I've been scrambling around the bookmakers trying to find anyone that's priced this up. And literally in the last five minutes, Unibet have been my saviour and have put their prices out. So we've got eight runners and Ashtown Lad is the early 5-2 favourite ahead of Dan at 130, Windhouse 9-2, Oscar Honeybee 11-2, Make Good 15-2, Pat's Fancy 9-1 alongside Took the Lot and Promising Milan is 40-1. Ed, sticking with you, if you've caught your breath. Yeah, this is a, a race I will... Sum up in 30 seconds. I've not had a bet. Won't be having a bet. I find a lot of these races, these unexposed novices, I often take as a watching brief. I mean, seven, mm. seven in the eight of the field were last time out winners. Uh, there's a lot of guesswork, I think, involved here, personally. Again, I know it's embryonic stage of their careers, but official figures are suggesting, you know, you've got 131, 131, 130, 135. What they've achieved to date are all much of a muchness. Now, one or two of these are going to spring and kind of go to a new level. Who they are, I don't really know. If you had to force me, Danny Kerwin, I thought was pretty impressive last time out. It's a horse, again, who's had so many problems. Paul Dickel said one of the most talented horses he's had in his yard for two years, but just picks up problem after problem. But those shapers, though, he wants to stay in test these days. So uh, I haven't had a bet, probably won't. Uh, but if you force me, Danny Kerwin, uh, he shapes like he wants three miles these days. And Cobden and Nichols would probably get my tentative vote. Danny Kerwin, the tentative vote. Stu, have you got anything more bullish? Um, like Ed says, it's it's a tricky old race when you're looking at it. There's, there's not a fat lot that jumps off the page. Um, I thought Make Good is an interesting one, just from the point of view that Richard Johnson and John McConnell teamed up to land a novice hurdle at Cheltenham in October. Mm. Um, it's Greeks of Doyen, so, you know, John McConnell isn't, you know, again, sending over a horse who thinks he's got a good chance of winning, so this is possibly worth a market check. Um Nigel Tristan Davis won the race last year with Redford Road and I think took the lot could be quite interesting. Um, he was in need of the run when placing second on his hurdles debut after 375 days off the track and he's won his two subsequent starts quite well. Um, again, the market might be sort of the best guide as to how he'll go. Um, Winhouse, he was getting weight from all. Um, she beat 
a subsequent dual scorer on a Hurdles debut. Um, and she displayed a good attitude, to be fair, last time out when to find a penalty. So, you know, she's sort of, you know, getting weight from all and, you know, she could probably outrun a prize. But I, th- I think there was one I was quite keen on. Um, <laughs> but I'm not so sure now. As, uh, Paddy Promising Brennan Milan? Decided, well, Paddy Brennan's decided to go to Doncaster instead. So ah. <laughs> that kind of <laughs> temper enthusiasm slightly. But Asker Honeybee actually... Um, beat the favourite Ashtown lad on uh, his hurdling debut at Weatherby in October. And then he went to Exeter and was narrowly beaten by a horse called Bob Hope or No Hope. And Bob Hope or No Hope actually defied a penalty next time out. So, you know, that's that's not a bad piece of form in itself. Um, Ask Honeybee then went to Newcastle. And I think this is a race that if Paddy Brennan could ride it again, he would probably snatch the opportunity and he'd, he'd ride it as slightly differently as... He gave Asker Honeybee a really confident ride. And in all fairness to him, he'd have got away with it, but for a mistake at the second last. Um, and, so, you know, Asker Honeybee landed on all fours, lost probably two or three lengths and ended up being beaten the neck. Mm. Um, stayed on like an absolute train after the last and another, another yard even. And uh, he might have been in front. So this step up and trip obviously bodes well with that in mind. That was two miles six that day. So an extra couple of furlongs, you know, that bodes quite well. Like I say, the only negative is that Paddy's gone to Doncaster. But having said that, he did have three rides at Doncaster, only the one at Cheltenham. And Connor Brace is a good jockey in his own right. So it's, it's not really a negative. And I think uh, the last prices I saw were he was about five, six to one. Um, and yeah, five, six to one. I mean, they thought he was good enough to compete in the champion bumper in March. So, yeah. you know, I, I think at the prices, I'd be playing Ask a Honeybee. Oscar Honeybee, 11 to 2. Not many shrewder operators around, especially at Cheltenham and Fergal O'Brien as well, his, his local course. And I'm sure he'll be hoping for a big run from Ask a Honeybee. Uh, on now to the international hurdle. Uh, we've got three more races to cover. This is the last one at Cheltenham, and then we're going to nip off to Donny. Um, you know, we're allowed to, COVID restrictions don't prevent us from going to two courses on the same day. Um, but we're going to kick off with the international hurdle, and the favourite is Goshen. Goshen's return to Cheltenham could be very interesting indeed. Five to two favourite ahead of Chittabello, 11 to two. Uh, so Royale, the same price. Song for someone, six to one. Silver Streak, eight to one. Ballyandy, nine to one. Call Me Lord, 12 to one. Somerville Boy and Vadana Blue, both 14s. Stormy Island, 18s. We have to start with Goshen. Broke my heart <laughs> last March. I'm not in any way over it. I had to sit on a bench on my own just outside the parade ring for about 25 minutes after that before going and basically bringing down a whole the whole Guinness village on my own. We've yeah. been there, George. We've been there. As you can tell, it was, uh, yeah, it's kind of the my biggest bet of the week and uh, I was literally watching. Yeah, anyway, let's not, let's not get into that again, eh? But what do we make of Goshen? Because, you know, the it should have been one of the most iconic kind of Cheltenham winners We've seen in the last few years the way that you know turned turned and came up the hill so far clear. Obviously, the the freak accident, which Gary Morris said this week that he is happy to you know he doesn't want to be asked about it anymore. He's put it out of his mind. It's not going to happen again. But a couple of pretty disappointing runs on the flat as well over the summer. A, a one time amongst the favourites for the champion hurdle. The champion hurdle is apparently still the aim so long as as he shows that that former form and winners here, Ed. Where do we rank Goshen, and could you be possibly be getting involved at, at five to two? Not myself at five to two. It's a bit of a crossroads moment for him, isn't it? Really, mm. it's, traditionally, it's very hard for those that juvenile crop to kind of go on to the next level. Obviously, catch it, managed to do it, and to some extent, a large extent, our Connor uh, did it. You know, obviously, uh, his ill-fated fall at the Chantler Festival, but. Uh, as you say, George, two very lacklustre runs, I thought, on the flat. I um, mean, you, you're prepared to take those with a pinch of salt. But this horse, is, he's just had, again, a little niggly problems, hasn't he? I think he's had two bad scopes recently. You know, originally they were looking at Wincanton, then they were looking at the Greatwood. Uh, they were looking at him run recently. Now he's he's turning up here, all being well, touch wood. And I just think at 5-2, to two, you've got to take him on. Uh, I don't think the Triumph Hurdle was particularly strong. Uh, he's in against some real season campaigners here. He, he is still the exciting horse, isn't he? He's the one you still want to see perform, mm. give, give that, that moment of brilliance. And there is obviously every opportunity you could do that. But he's in much deeper waters here today. And I, I, I just think on balance, again, I'm just coming to a price rate, price angle in here. There's not a lot to separate a lot of these. There's some horses in here who have reached high levels of form and arguably are still better uh, if you go by official ratings. And 
I, I just think on balance at his price, you've got to take him on. I, I just worry. I get nervous about backing juveniles. Uh, I, if he shows signs of encouragement and say he runs well in, in defeat, then at least you kind of know he's up to this level. And then I, I would be interested in with targets going further forward. But I, I think we'll get a good idea where we are with him after this race and at his price, not for me. Not for you. We'll talk about the rest of the field in a second, but Sue, just want to pose you the same question. I mean, Gary Moore said this week that he's the best horse he's ever trained. When you think back to the likes of Sider Grugy and things, that's not, that's not, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's no mean feat. It's no, it's pretty, pretty big praise, you have to say. Yeah, yeah, it's high praise indeed. I mean, obviously, he's had a lot of good horses come through his hands and they're clearly very, very keen on Goshen. But I would echo Ed's sentiments. I'm, I'm completely against him tomorrow. I think you've got to, well, Saturday, yeah. sorry, I think you've got to be. You're taking um, a massive leap of faith, aren't you, by, by backing him at that price? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, he was, you know, by far and away the best horse in the juvenile division last winter. And, I mean, to say he was desperately unlucky at Cheltenham, I mean, it was the biggest freak accident that you'll probably ever see on a race course. It was, oh, and I, I don't know about you sat on your bench, but I really felt for Jamie Moore sat on the turf. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, oh, dreadful scenes. Um, but, yeah, I think at that price, you've got to take him on. As I said, it's, it's so difficult for these juveniles to sort of, you know, develop in their second year and really make their mark, especially, obviously, earlier in the year. Well, earlier in the season, I should say. Um, I mean, obviously, if he'd have jumped the last... Well, he did jump the last. If he hadn't had the freak accident, he'd have run out a very good win of the Triumph. And I sort of took a look back through the Triumph winners, and you have to go back to 2012 to find the last Triumph hurdle winner that actually won a race on his seasonal debut against Open Company. Well, in Open Company. And that was Countrywide Flame. It was a bit of a surprise one of the triumph that year. Mm. Um, and in all fairness, we won the grade one fighting fifth hurdle at Newcastle. But the second was Cinders and Ashes, who won the Supreme that year. And sadly, Cinders and Ashes wasn't the same horse and never actually won another race. So, yeah, that, I think that just goes to show you how hard it really is for these juveniles in their second year. Even, even Deppy Desoy, who was seven from seven in his juvenile year and won three grade ones, yeah. struggled in his second season over hurdles, you know, and albeit. Philip Hobbs had a poor season that season, but it does go to show that, you know, these juveniles can have a bit of a tough time in their juvenile year, and sometimes they're feeling those effects coming into sort of, you know, their first year in open company. Um, I Obviously, yeah, beaten on the flat twice. This is hurdles. He's obviously much better over hurdles. We know that, but I do think, I mean, he was sixth of sixth at Goodwood, uh, and that was, you know, really quite disappointing. Beating it two to five, beating it even money. And the three missed runs this season do really concern me. Um, mm. You know, it's it's not ideal, is it, when you're having a horse sort of scope badly before you want to run him, you know, twice. And I just think there's other more solid runners in there at bigger prices that, you know, you'd want to take him on with, to be honest. So, yeah, I, I can't be backing him on Saturday. OK, so we're against Goshen. Let's talk about the field now. Stu, who are you, who are you siding with? Uh, well, obviously, there's a lot of solid ones in there. Faux <clears throat> Royale's been making hay while the sun shines. He's had a fantastic start to the season, winning the Welsh Champion Hurdle, uh, winning the Grade 2 at Wing Canton. And in all fairness, he was a bit unlucky to be left in front at Newcastle. I mean, I don't think it'd be Epiton, obviously, whatever happened. Epiton was amazing on the day. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he's in really good form. Obviously, the rain is the issue. If, if Charlton does have a fair bit of rain, he's, we all know that he's got a real turn of foot on good ground, but he needs that good ground to show it. Um, Silver Street's rock solid. Uh, looked as good as ever when winning what I like to think of as his listed race at Kempton in October. It's one of the last couple of years. Um, so he's as good. And I mean, looking at last year's race, obviously, Call Me Lord beat Bally Andy, and Chitabalo was a close up third. And Chitabalo is actually £10 better off with both Bally Andy and Call Me Lord on Saturday. Um, so you've got to give him a bit of a chance. But I think looking through the race, it's full of solid performers and I think there's two that do have the ability to sort of improve past what they're doing at the moment obviously one is Goshen but as I've said you know I can't be with him tomorrow and I think the other one is Song for Someone who was really progressive last season and obviously ended up winning the grade two Kingwell hurdle at Kempton towards mm -hmm. the end of last season uh, and Tom Simons has enjoyed a real purple patch sort of you know the last month or so and some, someone played his part in that when winning the Coral Hurdle at Ascot. And I was really, really impressed with that. I mean, he won the race really well. But what really impressed me was his, you know, quick, slick hurdling. 
he was he was really neat and tidy at his hurdles, quite indicative of like a two mile hurdler. And he was really quick away from them as well. And I mean, obviously he beat Cormy Lord, who was second in that race last year, um, before he come and won this race. But he beat him hands and heels. I mean, his leap at the last was majestic, and he just careered away. Yeah. And I just think that you know he is still on the up. I think coming obviously to Cheltenham, obviously he's dropping back in trip for this. But Cheltenham, two miles around Cheltenham's a test of stamina anyway, as we know. And obviously Goshen doesn't like to hang about. So he'll sort of, you know, make sure that the races run at a true gallop. And Stormy Island as well. I mean, she normally likes to go forward. So it could be interesting if they sort of, you know, contest the lead and they could end up cutting each other's throats to a certain degree and leaving it for the field. And I just think if someone can jump as well as did at Ascot, he'll keep himself nice and handy. Uh, just behind the pace and I think he could be the one to benefit most so yeah my vote's for Song for Someone Song for Someone the selection there for Stu uh, Ed who who are you fancying to take on Goshen? Yeah it's a good question I, mean, I just slightly retract my statement on Goshen regarding the triumph hurdle form it's not all that bad in fact all mankind and aspire to have come out of it but the sentiment remains regarding juveniles I'm, I'm worried about it uh, I it's a fairly old race I mean Song for Someone did win well at Ascot last time out, but the race was a three on a race, obviously the arena ran no races, retired since and mm. uh, call, call Me Lord ran very flat, I thought, so what to make of that, I'm not quite sure, however the horse is progressive, uh, it's interesting listening to Tom Simmons' interview, he said rain is the key here uh, the horse is much better with substantial give underfoot uh, and they, when he ran at Kempston to beat Diego de Charmille, they said that, I think it was officially good to soft and I think they said that's as quick as he'd want it so do keep your eyes on the weather. They'll be hoping that the, the top end of the weather forecast does arrive, if you see what I'm saying, for his chances. But it's a meddling affair. Uh, on balance, I'd probably go with Chitabello, who's got the course and distance form. Was only three quarters of length behind Song for someone in that aforementioned race. Uh, was trying to give him four pounds on that occasion. We'll get six from him here today. Uh, ran really well last time out. I thought it was Chitabello did behind Somerville Boy, uh, where over two and a half miles, he travelled really well for a long way. And then just in a petrol gauge came on, in my view, in the final furlong at entry there. So I think coming back to two will suit. And again, it's another one of these races where if you look at official ratings, it's a bit like the renewal of this last year, yeah. where you can almost throw a blanket over a lot of these. And there's a few horses in here on retrieval missions. Uh, it, it's, it's a tricky old race. I mean, you can make an argument perhaps that last year's winner call me, call me Lord at double figure price. It's probably overpriced. But again, he's a very hard horse to predict, which... I kind of say for a lot of these in here, in all honesty. So, in short, on prices, I'm against Goshen. And I think Chitabello at the weights, you know, getting weight off a lot of these uh, makes a bit of a difference here in a race where on official figures, there's not much between them. And I think the recent wind opt out Chitabello coming back to strongly run uh, extended two miles, I think it's in his favour too for the Dan Skelton team. So, yeah, uh, Chitabello's my, uh, my each way play, if you like. Chitabello, 11-2 for Ed. Song for someone, 6-1 to one for Stu. Off then to Doncaster for just the two races we're going to cover here, <clears throat> the uh, Novice Chase and the Juvenile Hurdle. I don't think we're going to spend too long because these races have cut up and they are trappy, trappy affairs. But we'll start with the Novice Chase. And uh, of all the gin joints, is even money favourite. Uh, oh, no, is, is I should say five to six favourite. Head of House Island at seven to two. Hurricane Harvey, nine to two. Seven to one, the Mighty Don. Um, and 12 to one, Milan Ford. Ed, any of you? Uh, all of the gin joints, uh, I think, is the best horse in the field. I think will be the best horse in the field. Uh, jumped nicely extra last time out. And uh, Tizard say should be could easily make up into an RSA chase contender. Uh, just again, five to six <laughs> about Tizard horse at the moment. I may have been doing a big disservice today, Yard, and they're watching this. They probably think I've been disrespectful. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just coming through <laughs> a, a, from a betting perspective. Uh, I, I just get nervous, <laughs> if you see what I'm saying. And I think uh, this is not a strong race, uh, but I think all of the gin joints is the most likely winner. But um, a shade of odds on, not for me. Stu? Yeah, again, I echo the sentiments of Ed. Uh, I, you know, with all due respect to the Tizards, I couldn't be backing all the gin joints at odds on. Mm. Not, not at the moment. If I can't back West Approach it six to one, seven, I'm certainly not this <laughs> right. Um, Paddy Brennan, I, I mentioned earlier that Paddy Brennan's gone to Doncaster, and I do wonder if Hurricane Harvey's the main reason he's gone to Doncaster. He um, he beat Emma Tom and Neck on his chasing debut at, at Utoxter, 
Um, but he was disappointed when beating 22 lengths in the Rising Stars at Wincanton next time. Um, so my vote goes to House Island, who I think is an interesting horse for Paul Weber. Um, he was actually second and fourth in two grade two races last season at Cheltenham and Sandown. And he was considered good enough to run in the Albert Bartlett in the spring. And, you know, he didn't run too badly in eighth, in all fairness. Um, I think he was beaten by a decent horse at Newbury on his debut. Um, mm. And then he went and won at Ludlow. Wasn't the greatest race, but he went and he, he won nicely enough. Um, Gavin Sheehan is back on board tomorrow. And he actually rode him in the Albert Bartlett last year and in both the grade twos that he ran in. So he knows the horse well. Um, and, yeah, I, I think... It's not a strong opinion. It's not bullish, but I, th- I think obviously he kept decent company over hurdles. You know, he's, he's shown that he can jump around over fences. Yeah, I think he'd be my tentative selection at the minute. Hurricane Harvey, nine to two. On then to the final race we're going to be covering here, the Summit Juvenile Hurdle. And just, yeah, I mean, it's cut up massively this race. Actually, only five run. Um so Mon Morale is eight to thirteen favourite. Glorious is off three to one. Gold Desert eight to one alongside Cloud Thunder and Mister Sister fourteen to one. Shame Nasalam isn't running the Gary Moore horse who's blitzed absolutely everything he's seen so far. Uh, Mon Morale eight to thirteen. Boom or bust you. <laughs> I've got to admit, juvenile um, hurdles aren't my forte. I'm not a big fan. I just think these horses are all improving at different rates. You don't quite know who's where. I mean, clearly they like Mon Morale. I mean, Paul Nichols was so taken by Mon Morale in France that he actually bought the runner-up from that race as well when he won in France. And, of course, that's Hal Red who won it Chepstow in October and disappointed last month. Um, he defied a penalty at Exeter and he did it in nice enough style. So you can see why he's favourite here. Um, and against, you know, the horses against, he is definitely the one to beat. But I wouldn't be a backer at the prize, put it that way. OK. Ed, anything to add? I know, 8-13 shots are not your style. No, I've got me an uninspired... I mean, I think, was it Glorious Soft? Is that second favourite in here? Off the yeah. Top of my head. Uh, yeah. I mean, that horse has been at 4-11 to 11 at Sedgefield last time out. Kind of t- tells you all you need to know about this race. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, most likely winner, but I'm, I'm not adding anything of any real value here. Um, we, we can scrap a preview on this one quite happily here. Uh, George, you said it's a, a no-bet no race. Yeah. It, was, it was put on the agenda for me. I didn't put it there. You've been, sti- you've been stitched up. I've been absolutely <laughs> done. Um, brilliant, guys. Well, hopefully you found us some winners in the rest of the previews, and, and fingers crossed you both enjoy the racing. I just before we let you go, um, just want to put the point the readers, sorry, point the readers, point the uh, viewers and listeners in the direction of the Odds Checker app for all the best prices, the best bookie offers, the best place terms, and the very best tipsters in the game, including Andy Holding, and where you can find Stu's weekend column as well. Do download the app. Thank you very much to both Stuart Williams there and Ed Quigley for joining us today. Enjoy the weekend's racing. Download the app, and please do gamble responsibly. Mm-hmm.